All right. Well, good evening, everybody. How are you guys? Good. Good. Well, hey, uh, you guys enjoy the Chick-fil-A? Hopefully more people were able to get sandwiches this week. Is that right? Because we got more? Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, that's great. Uh, Well, hey, welcome to Genesis. My name is Mike, and uh, I'm the pastor here. And at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And I also hope that you came with an open heart because you have been prayed and prepared for. And so we are glad that you're here. To begin tonight, I want to tell you a story from a few years ago about a time that I met a man named Michael. And some of you know this story already, so um, this is great. So a few years ago, I was going to get gas in my car, and then at the time, I used cash to pay for the gas, and so I was walking into the store, and I usually carried 40 bucks with me, and I didn't always use it all, and so as I'm walking into the store, this guy approaches me, and he says, hey, I'm just kind of down on my luck, I I don't have any money to put gas in my car, and I got to get somewhere, and I said, okay, well, you know, come in with me, and we'll see what we have left over, and you can have the rest. And so we walk into the store, and we're, there's kind of a, a line. And so, and so we're standing in line, and as we're standing there, I start asking him questions. Like, okay, so what's your name? And he said, Michael. And I thought, okay, that's, that's easy for me to remember. That's also my name. And I said, so what do, you, what do you do? And he said, I'm a painter. And I said, okay, well, what, do, what are you driving? And he said, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like wary already because I don't want to get taken advantage of. And so I was like, what are you driving? And he was like, that van out there. And I looked where he was pointing, and there was a van. And I said, uh, where do you work? He said, Mount Pleasant. I said, okay, all right. So this guy's got like a legit story. So um, by that time, we get to the, the end of the line and I end up paying $30. So I get $10 back. And I was like, all right, well, you know, this 10 bucks is yours. And so we walk outside. I go to hand him the money. And as I'm handing the, him the money, I'm thinking, wait a second. He has to put this on the pump inside and we're outside. But it was like too late, you know, like I was already like, he, you know, handing him the money. And he takes it puts it in his pocket, gets in his van, drives off. And I thought, man, like I was like so salty about that, you know? So then about a week later, after uh, a Wednesday night youth service here, Emily and I and Jake, we went to a cookout over by CSU on the University Boulevard. And we're sitting there and guess who walks in? Michael. He walks in. And he walks past us to this group of college age students behind us and starts asking them for money. And I turn around and I said, um, I said, Michael, right? And he was like, yeah, how did you know? And I said, I'm the guy you asked for money last time. And he was like, and he didn't say anything. He just kind of like looked at me and then he just walked out and left. And so I was kind of like, yeah, showed him, right? And so then, like, after that, you know, after that feeling went away, I started thinking, like, man, you know, why didn't I do something cool? You know, like, you, like there's a story in Acts where this guy is lame and, uh, and he can't walk, and he asks Peter and John for money, and they're like, money, you know, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have we give to you, and they heal the guy, they tell him about Jesus. And I was like, why didn't I do something like that? You know what I mean? I got my, my second chance, and I didn't do anything. Then about a week later, we were, my wife and I were leaving Tanger, uh, pulling out of a parking spot. And as I go to leave, who do I see walking across the parking lot? Michael. Thank you, sir. 
And so I said, okay. And so I pulled up next to him, rolled my window down, and I said, Michael, right? And he was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, we like know each other now. You know what I mean? And he's like, I recognize you. And I said, yeah. And so he asked me for some money, and I said, I don't have any, but I do have something better. And uh, he said, what? And I said, do you know Jesus? He said, yes. I said, am I going to see you in heaven one day? He said, yes. I was like, okay, I, you know, I still don't really have anything to give you. He said, okay. And he left. And I thought that was the end of it. After like, I don't remember how long, maybe a little bit longer than a week, maybe let's say a couple weeks. I'm at work. So I'm, I'm, he, I'm, you know, I'm in the offices over here. I walk over to this building in the extension. I'm walking out of that bathroom over there. And who do I see in this building, like standing like right here? Michael. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And our uh, youth pastor at the time, he's our family pastor now, Scott, he was with him. And he looks at me and he goes, hey, Mike, this is Michael. And I was like, I know. And so Scott was like, okay, and walked off. And so we gave him like a drink and, you know, gave him some cash. And then he ended up showing up one other time, but I never saw him again. And so I tell you that story for two reasons. I tell you that story, first of all, because it's one of my favorite stories. Second of all, is because there is something about a story that draws you in. Take a second and think about your favorite movie or your favorite TV show or your favorite book. And this is a, it's the story of the movie and the TV show that holds your attention. And so, uh, and it keeps you captivated. You know, you think about even older sitcoms, you know, with like 22-minute episodes that seemingly have nothing to do with each other. There is a, there is a certain storyline that keeps you engaged, okay? Think Ross and Rachel on Friends, right? We just finished watching The Office, okay? So if you want to, th- you know, those episodes seemingly have nothing to do with one another, but then you, you think about there's Jim and Pam, there's Dwight and Angela, you know, there's like all these, these storylines that, that run through the whole thing that keep you interested, because it's the way that our brains are wired. And studies show us this. Research shows this, that while you are listening to a story, you're using more of your brain than at any other point. And it tells us that stories are the only way to activate parts of the brain so that the listener turns the story into their own idea or their own experience. So in other words, so you can relate to it. And so before research had discovered this about our brains, Jesus knew that to be true. And that's why in much of his preaching here on earth, he, he used stories. He used stories called parables to illustrate and teach us truths about God, to teach us truths about the kingdom of God, and teach us truths about ourselves. It was a way to help us understand and see clearly what he was teaching. So Jesus, in all of his wisdom, he was able to tell a fictional but relatable story that communicated powerful truth to his audience. And so tonight, we are starting a series called The Moral of the Story. And over the course of the month, we're gonna be looking at the parables of Jesus, and we're gonna see how they apply to our lives and what they teach us about who God is. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into our parable for tonight. God, I thank you so much for for tonight. God, I thank you for every single person in this room, and I thank you for, for what it means, God, that they're here. And so, God, I pray that your voice would speak louder than my own, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here in Genesis as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. Well, if you would, turn to Mark chapter four. And uh, to begin this series, we're going to look at the parable 
of the sower, the parable of the sower. Again, that's in Mark 4. And while you're turning there, a sower is essentially a farmer, which you guys probably know that. Uh, But what makes a sower different than a farmer is that he or she doesn't plow the ground before planting seeds. Sowers just scatter the seeds without checking the soil. And that's good to keep in mind as we read this. So this is Mark 4, 1 through 9. And it'll be on the screen if you don't have it, as always. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, talking about Jesus. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depths of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear let him hear. And so Jesus goes out into this boat right off the shore and he starts teaching this large crowd that was there. And he tells this parable about a sower. The sower goes out to sow the seed and some seed falls on the path. Some seed falls on rocky ground. Some falls on uh, among the thorns and then some falls into good soil. And the seed that on the path, it gets eaten by birds. The, the seed on rocky ground sprouted but was killed by the sun because it had no roots. The seed and the thorns got choked out and the seed and the good soil grew and thrived. And he says that the the seed and the the good soil, it returned 30, 60, and 100 fold. And so just to put that in the the context of the time, the the average return of a crop was like five to 15 fold. And if you got 10, that was great. And, uh, but here we see a lot more than 10 or 15 fold. We see 30, 60, 100 fold. And so that's an extremely successful return. And a hundredfold return was actually considered a blessing from God. Like if you got a hundredfold return, the hand of God was on your crops. And so that was a big deal. And Jesus finishes by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Well, what does that mean, right? Well, last time we checked, we've all got ears. Well, this is Jesus' way of saying, if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. What's funny is, as this continues, the disciples go up to Jesus and say, we don't get it. Let's keep reading. We'll see Jesus' explanation. This is Mark 4, 10 to 20. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, "To to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, 
But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So what we see here is this really clear explanation of the parable. And so what we're going to do is go through these different types of, of ground, and we're going to see how this parable holds up in today's world. So first, we, we see the path where the birds came and ate the seed. And Jesus says this illustrates uh, those that hear the good news, but Satan comes immediately and takes it away. In other words, it, it went in one ear and out the other. Some of you have been there before, or at least known somebody like that. Uh, you know, you're talking to them about Jesus or, or them coming to church, it seemingly does no good. It's like talking to a brick wall. They are like seed sown on the path where the birds come and devour it. The next type of ground we see is the rocky ground. In the parable where the, when the seed fell on the rocky ground, it sprang up quickly, but because it had no roots and, and a lack of soil, it quickly died in the heat of the sun. And so in Jesus's explanation, he says the rocky ground is like the person who receives the good news with joy, but has no roots. And so when tribulation or persecution comes because of what they believe, they fall away. And this is something that you see often as well. Maybe you've been there before. I know I've been here before. And it reminds me of something that I hear a lot. Wow, they were really on fire for Jesus. What happened? They were rocky soil. The idea of living for Jesus was exciting and fun and new. But when things didn't go as planned, when things went south, life got hard, they thought, man, that, that, that wasn't so, what was supposed to happen. Following Jesus wasn't supposed to be this hard. And they walk away. The seed landed in the rocks and had some life, but then the sun came out and killed what had grown. The next type of ground we see is the thorny ground. In this story, when the seed fell into the thorns, the thorns grew and choked out the seed. And when Jesus explained the thorny ground, he said that it illustrated those that hear the word, but the things of the world seem more desirable and the seed dies. And this might be the most common one that we see today. People are all for hearing the word, but when they're, when they're forced to choose the world or their faith, they choose the world. And the truth that they've heard about God just becomes an afterthought. And lastly, there is the good soil. In the parable of the seed that lands in the good soil, it grows and it thrives. And Jesus says that this is like those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Not just a little bit of fruit, but a lot. It says a hundredfold. And remember what the hundredfold meant. It was a, a blessing from God. And so with this in mind, the path, the rocks, the thorns, the good soil, I wanna ask you, what soil are you? What ground are you? Are you on the path where the, the truth of Jesus just goes in one ear and out the other? Are you in the rocks where you just can't seem to stay in love with Jesus? Are you in the thorns where the things of the world just seemed more interesting? Or are you the good soil, living for Jesus, producing fruit? The beauty of this parable is that we can relate to it in more than just one way. We can, we can apply it in the way of the ground, but also in the way of the sower. 
And so as I mentioned earlier, what separates a sower from a farmer is that he doesn't plow the ground first. And I find that so important for this parable. It's such a cool detail that we can learn a lot from, especially as part of the body of Christ. And so if you are a believer here tonight, you play the role of sower. You are responsible for sharing the gospel, for telling the good news, for telling people about Jesus. And so, yeah, I can ask you what kind of ground or soil you are, but it's also important for me to ask you, where is your field? Your field is where you live your life. Your field is where, uh, who you spend your life with, who you live your life with. Your workplace, your school, your, your family, your friends, your church. And so we've all got these people and places in our life that need a touch of Jesus, that need the, the good news, that need the seed. And we are the sowers. We're responsible for scattering the seed. And I want to be clear on a couple of things. And I think this is probably one of those things that's going to hit this home for you tonight. Remember that in this parable, we're sowers, not farmers. I've said that. That's the third time now. We're sowers, not farmers. And so it is not our job to investigate the soil before scattering the seed. It's not our job. I'm going to say it again. It is not our job to investigate the soil before scattering the seed. And that is huge for us tonight. Because how often do we find ourselves assuming things about people or assuming things about the soil? You you probably know some people in your life and you think, well, these people are just on the path. They're they're bird food, right? They'll they'll never listen to what I have to say about Jesus. Or you think, well, that person's just rocky soil. I've seen it too many times. They say they love Jesus, but only when it's convenient and they're never serious about it. Or you think, man, yeah, they're just thorny soil. He lives too much for the world. He cares too much about this or that to care about Jesus. If we keep investigating everybody else's soil, we're never gonna share the gospel with anybody. It's hard to be compassionate to someone if we assume the quality of their soil. It's hard to care for and be kind to somebody if all we do is assume the quality of their ground. We can't go around assuming that people are rocky or thorny soil because there is a chance that they're good soil. And so we need to treat everyone as if they are and trust God that the seed we scatter lands in the right places. And so let's be clear, it is God's job to investigate the ground. It's our job to sow the seed, no matter how or where we think it'll fall. And the second thing I wanna be clear about is this. Just as it is God's job to investigate the ground, it is also God's job to give the growth, not ours. The burden of constantly worrying about the success of our efforts in sharing the gospel is not something for us to carry. If we carried the weight of how people respond to the gospel, we would exhaust ourselves. We are responsible for sharing it, but not for how people respond to it. And those two things, those should free us up to tell more people about Jesus and what he's done. First, we have to stop assuming the quality of the ground. And two, we also have to stop worrying about how people respond when we tell them about Jesus. I know this parable was told before Jesus went to the cross. It is ultimately a picture of what he would do in his work here on earth. Jesus came to earth and he he lived a perfect life, something we were unable to do, died a death that we deserved and then resurrected again. And so this makes Jesus the ultimate sower of the seed. His life, death, and resurrection, it scattered the seed of new life. It scattered the seed of new chances for everyone to all types of ground. And some deny it. Some believe it for a time. Some are too tied up in the world. 
But the plan rested on the fact that there would be some that would accept it. The chance of that seed landing on the path, the chance of that seed landing on rocky or thorny soil didn't keep Jesus from coming and doing what he did. He loves those on the path. He loves those in the rocks. He loves those in the thorns. He loves them so much that he gives them a chance. And so, yeah, he who has ears, let him hear. If you get it, you get it. And Jesus wants you to hear. He wants you to get it. He wants you to be the good soil. And so tonight, as the good news is preached to you, don't let the birds come and get it. Don't let the rocks keep you from growing roots. Don't let the thorns grow up and choke it out. Don't let the heat turn you away. Some of us here tonight need to finally let our roots grow deep. We need to finally let go of the world and start to finally bear fruit a hundredfold. It's where people have to say, man, that has got to be God. So if you would go ahead and stand with me. The band could come up. As we respond tonight, I pray that this fell on good soil. So if you find yourself in the thorns or in the rocks or on the path, I would encourage you to make tonight the night that you finally let those roots grow to forget the world and forget the troubles and let some roots finally start to grow and take hold. And if you find yourself as someone who has just been investigating everybody else's soil, that you would stop plowing the ground and instead start sowing some seed and leave the rest up to God. So he or she who has ears, let them hear. Let's pray. God, I thank you for again for tonight. I thank you, God, that you didn't, you didn't care if we were in the rocks, you didn't care if we were on the path or in the, in the thorns, God. You, you came anyway for the chance that we would be good soil. So God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the sacrifice of your son. Thank you that he lived a life we couldn't live, died a death we deserved to die, and then resurrected again to defeat death, hell, and the grave forever. And God, that plan did rest on the fact that there would be some that would accept it. And God, I pray that we would accept it tonight that that seed would fall on good soil, that it would take root, take hold, and produce fruit in our lives. And God, I also pray for, for those of us who sometimes spend way too much time investigating everybody else's soil and assuming the quality of the ground. God, that's not our job. So God, I pray that we would let go of that burden and instead just start scattering some seed and let the rest be up to you. And so as we worship God, I pray that we would rejoice in who you are, rejoice that we, were, that we were good soil, God, that you loved us when we were in the rocks, you loved us when we were on the path and in the thorns. And we pray tonight that we would make a choice to let some roots grow. In Jesus' name, amen.